0: From Barangaroo Studios, the Ausbiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, good afternoon to you. It's Tuesday. It is the 1st of December. This is the COB. I'm Nadine Blaney. I'm here with David Scott. Scotty, pretty solid start to this new month.
1: Yes, pretty solid start to the month and only 24 sleeps at Christmas. It's time to get excited.
0: <laughs> I have a lot of excitement going on in my household right now, about a mostly about Santa, but yeah, we'll look beyond that because lots of the conversation still about the Santa Claus rally. Uh, Lots of the conversation still about this rotation trade into more value or cyclical areas of the market and pretty much everyone I speak to says, yeah, still has legs, still has a way to go.
1: Oh, undoubtedly. If we uh, are... Australia in particular, we've got the policy settings in place now uh, and the health settings to go and have a really rip-roaring, not only uh, 2021, but a prolonged period of time. Uh, elsewhere in the world, presumably these vaccines uh, you know, get rolled out and are effective, and it looks like they will be. Uh, it looks like it's going to be like you know, a long, prolonged period of you know, sustained, decent growth. Of course, when it comes to assets and asset valuations, that all means that uh, we start looking at things as to uh, know what's going to happen with long bond yields because, of course, if we're, uh, if we're all out and about and uh, we revert back to the previous patterns, a lot of those companies and, uh, and sectors that benefited from being us locked at home won't be so appealing.
0: Okay, so um, we had the RBA today at 2.30 talking about infection rates rising sharply in Europe and the United States, pointing out those economies have lost momentum, but also pointing out the positive news on the vaccine front. The board really did just lay out what it has done, the uh, measures that it has taken, and um, not really what it's achieved, although it does point out that the economic recovery is underway, data generally better than had been expected, but still flagging that we could see the unemployment rate um, only slowly declining to still sit at around 6% at the end of 2022. So it really was, I think, just a very you know, nuts and bolts, black and white statement. There wasn't a whole lot of insight given.
1: Yeah, I don't have to add too much of that. You, uh, you nailed it. It's, uh, yeah, it was pretty uh, mundane and no real surprises for the markets. Uh, the message is clear and as it has been for quite a period of time now, uh, policy settings are going to be left unchanged for years, and, and uh, it all comes down to actual economic outcomes rather than modelled and forecast outcomes from now. So it, the risk, in my opinion, means that it's going to be you no know, like this for an even longer period of time beyond the three years, which has been flagged by that uh, yield curve target. So uh, get used to a uh, not a lot of excitement coming out of uh, monetary policy meetings for the foreseeable future.
0: Yeah, because you know the line is for uh, you know the cash rate to be increased. Actual inflation, as we know, has to be sustainably between the 2 to 3% target range for this to occur, the central bank says. Wages growth will have to be materially higher than it is currently. And I would just like to say even before, I mean, we've been talking about ra- wages growth being absent for, for years, you know, literally years.
1: RBA has been uh, renowned as the uh, central bank of glass half full uh, economist. And uh, look, it's track record, and it's not the only one. That a lot of central banks and other groups have had woeful uh, forecasts, uh, track records. But uh, the key thing in Australia is that where's where's the NIRU? Where's the other rate of full employment? Uh, the RBA's estimate prior to the COVID was about four and a half percent or lower. I dare say that's probably going to have to have a three handle with uh, with the unemployment level. That is multi decade lows. We're sitting at seven percent at the moment. We're likely to still probably go a little bit higher you know, it's not going to go and reach those kind of levels where it's like, no, you need wage growth in the vicinity of uh, of 35 to 4%. In all likelihood, you're going to see core inflation back to the middle of the RBA's target. So uh, there's something between Buckley's and none of that happening in the, uh, the years ahead.
0: Not mentioned in the statement was geopolitical risk. Uh, you know, the the expectation is that the Reserve Bank Governor, Phil Loeb, will be asked about that tomorrow when he speaks to that parliamentary inquiry. Um, so that I think the U.S. or the the Australian dollar questions around that will be asked, and Scotty also questions you've got to think around the housing market.
1: Yes, it's. Uh the backflip the RBA has done, it was uh, spectacular. No, that's worthy of a gold medal at the Olympics, I would say. <laughs> no, it was all about uh, no, uh, financial stability risk from the housing market, no high debt levels, no taking on excessive risk. If you go and cut interest rates, you know, households are just going to borrow more, as the uh, the words that RBA uh, Governor Lowe said not too long ago. And then, uh, lo and behold, uh, here we are, and uh, now the uh, RBA is pouring uh, petrol on the fire. So uh, it will be interesting to see what he uh, says about the, uh, the housing market. Look, it works with a lag monetary policy. We know that. We already see, you know, we saw the core logic data came out today. Increases in every single capital city, regional markets, pretty strong as well. And this is only very early days. So you do wonder where it could go and get to, particularly when we get to the point when those international borders open up and you have an influx of people, which is undoubtedly going to go and take place.
0: So we will, uh, you know, continue to monitor the housing market. We'll bring you to that uh, RBA governor testimony tomorrow, uh, if and when we can. And uh, yeah, it's just this this conversation that will continue, not only around monetary policy and uh, the forces at play there, but I think also China. You wrote about China today, look... Uh, what else is there to say? We had a really interesting conversation. I think toward the end of the day, which will end up on our video on demand website, with the Australian Strategic Policy Institute. He said, prepare for, you know, literally a decade more of these continuing little crises between, you know, the governments of the West, including Australia and China, as uh, yeah, it 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 looks to sort of bang governments over the head with what it sees as its importance and its uh, dominance
1: yeah big bully uh no one doubts uh, china's clout but uh i think the question a lot of people sign up answer around here is you know uh they look at you know our iron ore uh, exports to china a huge huge thing like no, you're talking about so no no pretty much uh the largest one item when it comes to our trade flows each month by some distance. You can go and add everything else up combined and it'll bring around about the same level. That's how big it is at the moment. And what would happen if China would go and and target that particular industry? And so um, I've heard that mentioned many times. I'm sure you probably have too, Nadine. But uh, but you've got to go and do the probability. Uh, It would go and inflict a lot of economic damage on the Chinese steel industry and as a consequence downstream steel users because... They rely upon us around iron ore for the time being, and nothing's going to change from supply chain routes uh, unless it wants to really go and upend things. I can't see that happening. But longer term, certainly iron ore will be at risk. We know in Guinea, uh, in Africa, uh, China has got a big say in what's going on there Mm -hmm. with the production ramp-up. In that particular part of the world, that will be coming online over the uh, the middle parts of this decade. Uh, Brazil's also got an opportunity. But... Not for the time being, but you've got to go. I I agree with it. There's a lot of people who've written about the chances of uh, some kind of uh, phase where we can repair relations. I just I don't see it.
0: Yeah, I'll just play devil's advocate for a moment. I know that it's completely different size and scope, but uh, we talk about the unlikelihood of China wanting to damage its own economy and its own downstream, um, you know, economy and, and, and workers by restricting access to Australian iron ore. But I think that, you know, that's exactly what our government is doing in some ways. And that what many of the people we've been speaking with on AusBiz suggest that we will need to do is yes, we are risking um, some of our economic growth, some, uh, you know, export opportunities into China by taking a hard line on such things as COVID and Huawei and 5G and everything else. But we are doing so fully cognizant of the fact that it will potentially hurt our economy in some way, shape, or form, and also our workforce and everything else. But it's, it's a stand that you sort of need to take, right, from the Australian point of view. And I'm just wondering, you know, I know that it's, again, a different size, different scope, different industries, uh, but still, you know, they may wi- be very well willing to suffer some pain to get their point across.
1: Potentially, and of course, it will go and have uh, some ramifications, particularly for the WA economy. But if China were to go down that path, or we were to go and restrict iron ore uh, exports, which I don't think we should do, uh, and I don't think it's necessary, if China was to go down that path, and for whatever reason, the uh, the exports into China dried up, the Aussie dollar is a natural reaction function. So you talk about uh, the ability to go and stimulate our economy. If China took that decision, the Aussie dollar would be lower, 5, 10 cents almost immediately. And that's automatically a buffer. That goes and helps us. We get revenues from other sources around the world. It's not to say that it's all uh, no, peaches and cream, but uh, unlike uh, you know, China who manipulates their currency level, uh, we've got a free-floating currency, and it's widely traded around the world, and that is a benefit to us in times like this.
0: Okay, well, look, this is seriously a conversation that we're going to be having for so long. We did mention the West. You mentioned WA. On a lighter note, what everybody loves, stock picks. Uh, in today's show notes, you can click on a link. It will t- take you to an interview with Luke Larative. He is from... Where is he from? Um, Seneca Financial Solutions. He gives us three stocks to go west for. I, I
1: enjoyed the chat, particularly on a day when we've finally got news that the WA border is going to open up to the rest of the country. Uh, yeah. separate, uh, with little aspects South Australia.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wish that... This is editorializing, but if it would have been done a little sooner, I'm telling you, some people's Christmas plans wouldn't have been changed, disrupted, or uh, ruined. But regardless, <laughs> on to the next. Uh, energy was the one underperforming sector today, Scuddy, and that was largely because we're still waiting for some sort of a decision around production restrictions from OPEC+. Plus. We hope that it's going to come in the session through the overnight. Uh, Santos, though, uh, was one you know, real sort of resilient part of the energy space. It is holding an investor day. It upgraded its guidance, excuse me, finished the day about a half a percent higher. It was the stock of the day. Here's what Howard Coleman from Team Invest had to say about Santos.
1: Very good report and uh, not an easy business to run because you're selling something which is a wasting asset and at the same time, you have no control over the selling price. Uh, the selling price is set internationally. It seems to be being better and better run over the last little while. So maybe that will change, but um, hard for me to get enthusiastic about a company that's had virtually no growth in EPS and it's got a low uh, return on equity. I think you've seen a bit of a recovery, obviously with the value stocks and with the um, vaccine play. There, you've seen a bit of a jump in these all stocks. So. I think it's got further to run, but I think we've probably run <coughs> three quarters of the race here oh, already. Right. So okay. we've only got the last little 20% to go. So in the, the upside's limited. Now, if I held the stock, I'd be holding. It. I wouldn't be selling it. Right. I think there's more upside. But I think once you sort of get towards sort of seven dollars, yeah. okay, you're probably going to be pushing unless we see a change in something in, the, in circumstances here. It's probably going right. to be the upside.
0: That was Gary Glover from Novus Capital finishing the thoughts on Santos. So, not going in the AusBiz portfolio. Um, Bit of a hold coming from both those guys. I think
1: it has been booted from the portfolio, actually.
0: Oh. Out. Booted. Yeah, got him. Our producer giving me the big thumbs up, which actually meant thumbs down. Santos is out. Sorry, guys. Okay. Let's get to what we're expecting tonight. We do have quite a lot of data It's been a very data-heavy week. Um, Manufacturing PMI is coming out. We've got EU CPI. We've got U.S. manufacturing, U.S. construction spending. We know that we've been seeing a little bit of waning in the U.S. housing market as of late. And we'll hear from the U.S. Fed Chair Jay Powell again um, in front of Congress. So the narrative coming from the Fed has not changed. Extraordinarily uncertain economic conditions going forward. Need for more fiscal stimulus. Ta-da!
1: Yeah, uh, there's lots of data out and uh, I don't think a lot of it is going to be too market moving. The ISMs that come out, the uh, the manufacturing and uh, and services PMIs later in the week, definitely uh, will be of interest. But the non-farm payrolls report on Friday. uh, I think it's, Highly likely right now that the Fed will go in, uh, and expand asset purchases, or at least do a twist program and actually buy further out the curve when it comes to uh, treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. If we get a weak number of that payroll support on Friday evening, in our time, uh, it's it's curtains for uh, no current policy settings. The uh, the Fed will be going in to do more uh, when it go and meets midway through the month.
0: And that's what we're really sort of gearing up for is that non-farm payroll we're winding report. Winding up for it. Uh, but we do have GDP here tomorrow in Australia, and that's uh, obviously a really important one. Look, there would have been some revisions made after the data dump that we got at 11.30 today. Safe to say, though, um, it's, it's a, it, it was a short, it was a sharp, but it was a very short recession here in Australia.
1: Yes, but the effects will be felt for a long period of time. And uh, there's lots of things that we need to look at at a society level where uh, some are going to be left behind and some are going to absolutely benefit. So that's where the key is going to be moving forward. What we're going to go get out of the, uh, the GDP report tomorrow. So the key things for me to go and look at is what's going on with the, uh, the government spending. Uh, very key, particularly when it comes to uh, not recurring spending, but uh, no, investment. We want to go and look at things along the lines of consumption. So household consumption, biggest component and the household savings ratio, the proportion of uh, discretionary income being saved, that's gonna give you a really good clue as to how much firepower households and to a lesser degree businesses are gonna have to go and invest and spend in the early parts of 2021.
0: And that's what we need uh, to get wages up, which is so key to this whole actual inflation targeting by the RBA.
1: Get out there and spend, Australia.
0: Ching ching! Well, Christmas is coming, and speaking of Christmas, we've started uh, the Ozbiz Advent Calendar. So, twenty five stock picks over twenty five days. All on our social media channels. We'll get them up on the website ASAP. But yeah, hope you follow that. It's a bit of fun. Lots of the familiar faces giving us their uh, Christmas wish list. So a company that they would like to buy. and Well, actually not buy for themselves probably. Have gifted to them for Christmas to hold through 2021.
1: Michael Frazis is the first off the bat. So I encourage you to go to the site now and have a bit of a watch.
0: <laughs> All right. Hey, Scuddy. we got to rest up for tomorrow. Another big day, lots to get across. And, you know, never know what the corporate world's going to throw up either.
1: Exactly right. Just starting to warm up for the week. So I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Ready hump day. It's one of my favorite days of the week. (laughs) See you then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.